as the text of verses 1 uh, one and 2, especially verse 1. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. People of God, it was, it was 20 years ago, actually October 3rd, that I was ordained into the pastoral ministry in the Christian Reformed Church. And so I wanted just to reflect on that myself and also just to reflect on that with you a little bit, that sense of, too, going forward in ministry and, and how the Lord continues to work. I was uh, ordained as a minister in the Bethel Christian Reformed Church in Dunville, Ontario. There's quite a few churches that are named Bethel, so it happens to be the same as here. And I was called there as a pastor, as a seminary graduate, and after accepting a call to your first church, then, then you go there and then you actually have to be examined. Again, like you've taken all the training and all the examinations, but in the classes, which is the group of churches there, so Dunville is in classes Niagara, and so at the classes meeting in September, then I had to be examined as a new pastor coming in, as a graduate. And so as that takes place, you are asked to, to prepare, come to the classes, and they take an afternoon, and they sit you down at the front. It's fun to watch if you're watching it. It's a little nerve-wracking if you're in it. And they ask you everything, right? What do you think about the Bible, and what do you know? And, and it's just an effort to, to demonstrate, too, that you are ready and, and able to lead a congregation. And so it's an encouraging thing, though it's a little bit nerve-wracking. In, in the time, they also give you a passage, and you have to prepare a sermon. And I was given Isaiah 62. And you have to prepare a sermon and preach the sermon, and the evaluators are there. And then... Everybody gets asked, too, well, why did you do this? Why did you do that? And what about? And so it's all part. So Isaiah 62 was my text for, so to speak, my first sermon. And I'm glad of that. I think it was, it was very challenging. And I'm thinking, like those who assigned a text, gave it with a sense of two. This is a vision for ministry. If you reflect on this text, it will give you a good vision for ministry going forward. And I can attest to that, and I want to share that with you. Here in Isaiah 62, verse 1, the question, the main question that comes up is who is actually speaking here? It says, I... For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. Who is the I? Who is the person who is speaking? And at first, we assume it's Isaiah, the good old prophet Isaiah, as this is his book. And Isaiah is expressing the zeal of the prophet. He is called to express 
the truth of God. And so he has that sense of calling on his life, like a pastor who's called to preach and to not be quiet, but to speak the word of God. And so Isaiah does that. He declares in the book of Isaiah, God's judgment, to the first 40 chapters, 39 actually, and then from 40 to the end, 66, he brings a tremendous message of comfort and hope. And so he does that work. He declares God's praise. And Isaiah excitedly sees God's redeeming work in the people, even as he is proclaiming it. So he says, I will not keep silent. I will not remain quiet. It might be something like a, a person who, who discovers too, uh, maybe some, some medical breakthrough, and then, of course, wants to share that, wants to declare that. And so Isaiah, as God's prophet, wants to bring that good news. The other option is that it's God himself. And in the prophets, often, there is still the sense of, of either the prophet speaking or God himself speaking. So God would, in fact, be the I. So Isaiah is writing this, absolutely, but that, that Isaiah would be writing with the sense of this is God speaking and God himself saying, I will not remain quiet. I will not keep silent. I will declare. So, so God speaking through his prophet, God speaking also then through his son, Jesus Christ, or God speaking through the church, God himself speaking, declaring the gospel of salvation also in the preaching. In Isaiah 62, there is more support for the sense of God speaking. It's, it's less Isaiah and it's more God. The end of verse five, as, as he speaks about uh, the bridegroom rejoicing over the bride, so will your God rejoice over you. As, as if that, that sense too of the New Testament, the church as God's bride and God rejoicing in the work of the church. So that sense is more clearly here. And when it says, too, that Isaiah is a watchman in verse 5, Isaiah called to, to see and, and watch what God is doing. And so that sense of God speaking, God doing. That, that's behind it. Now, there's still a bit of both, of course, Isaiah is doing the writing and Isaiah is presenting this to the people, but more so God speaking through his prophet, God speaking to his people. And so the vision is one very encouraging for someone going into ministry. The sense of, of God speaking through the prophet or God speaking through a pastor is 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 a wonderful thing. The heightened sense of the reality of God at work. That, that God is the one behind what takes place. And so in, in the presentation of Isaiah 62, 
there is that sense of even, even the preaching of the word, Isaiah's presenting the word here, that it's God speaking. And that's what we are looking for and listening for. Even as Isaiah is writing, it's still his sense, too, of God <coughs> speaking through him. And that has to be first and foremost. Now, to realize overall the comfort, what a comfort that is for God's word going out, the truth is that the prophet will wear out. Isaiah's zeal will falter and fail at times. But God's never done. And one example that we remember is Elijah on Mount Carmel who, who had that, that great prophetic moment where he challenged the Baal priests and, and he won a great victory. And, and right afterwards, he, he was completely despondent and he, he went away and he said, Lord, let me die. Nothing good is coming of this. And so just a sense of how God's prophets, God's people can be discouraged. And so that can definitely happen in ministry. I, I took the opportunity just to look through some of the old uh, day timers. I've kept the old day timers through the years. I have them all in an old briefcase in the basement. I hauled them out. Barb said, what are you doing? <laughs> said, yeah. What happened actually 20 years ago? And so I, I looked again at uh, Dunville, 1993, my old day timer. And, and it, it, it looked fairly typical. Hey, you, you're preparing a couple sermons and some visits and some meetings and some classical stuff. And, and yeah, I recall too, it was, it was good, it was nice, it was steady. Then I noticed in the day timer, I thought back to a note starts appearing every once in a while, every couple days. Dr. John Wingfield, oh, Christian chiropractor. About, yeah, 10 months to a year into full-time ministry, I, I couldn't do it anymore. My back gave out. It was just, just yeah, stress and not properly taking care of myself. And, and Dr. Wingfield had to work me over, and yeah, it, it took about three weeks just to, to get back, just to be able to do what I needed to do, right? But in, in that, it reminded me too, as I, as I went into ministry, I had not taken Isaiah 62 to heart in the sense that, yeah, definitely do the work, absolutely. Very enjoyable, no problem. Work hard, definitely. But I, I can't do it all myself. And so I was taking everything on, and, and we're stuck. We ran completely stuck. And so Dr. Winfield helped me out. But there was that sense, I, I know too, that it's not all up to me. My prayers, my visits, my insight, my faith. Indeed, do as much as I can, do things well. But at a certain point, it is God who does much more than I can do and to recognize that. And so the sense God will not keep silent 
God will not be quiet. God will continue to work. God is involved. He is active. He is determined. He is unresting. A beautiful picture out of Isaiah 62 for all ministry that as we are called that we trust in God, not in ourselves. <coughs> and that, that continues. I looked through too some of the other through the years. That continues to work itself out in many ways. Things happen far beyond what, what I had imagined. And I just wanted to share a few with you. There was already at the seminary uh, a sense of, of going forward in ministry. And some of the guys there too, Albert Streithorst, we know Albert as uh, supported by this church, focused on mission. Absolutely beautiful. Ken Vanderkloof too was there mission work, others. And I had gone back in 1981 with my father to Africa because I had the sense then too, I will go into mission, mission field, absolutely, go to Africa. But I had the sense then too, oh, that'd be lovely to do. I am fit, I am smart, I could do that. Probably better than most folk. So I'll just go and do that. Thank you, Lord. And so my dad, very wisely at the time, said, Hey, Mike, what if we just go together and then look around for a couple weeks in Africa? So I said, oh, Sure, that'd be great. So we went, and very quickly I became ill. Yeah, that does happen more generally, but between between just the heat and the food and skin rashes and, and I, I couldn't handle it. And then the, the sense of the culture and, and it's very different. You say, well, just get used to it. But it, it just, it threw me off and I, I actually couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. In my own strength, I couldn't do it. And I knew that that was not something for me. And so that sense of what do I do then in terms of ministry, I recall too trying church planting. We had in Grand Rapids opportunity to, to go to a little church plant and at that time Bruce and I, we thought too, we could do some church planting because yeah, that's not bad and that's kind of fun. And so we went and, and then we were asked to, to lead some kind of evangelistic kind of tent crusade kind of thing. So yeah, Bruce and I, and then we would take one, he would take one week and I would take the next. And he was great. I mean, he was great. He was going on and he was calling people forward. He was doing all kinds of things, right? And it was great. And, and I just, ah, how do you do that exactly? What do you say and how does it all go, right? And so again, I had the sense, yeah, that's, I just, I just can't really do that all that well. And so, so the sense of what does God have in mind for me? And so the sense always came back to me too. God simply saying, serve me in the regular church. And, and some of these other guys didn't, didn't really see that as a great or exciting thing. The regular church has its own stresses and strains. But I always thought, too, that's, that's for me. Just that sense of God saying, love my church, my body, my bride. And Isaiah 62 has that very strongly in it. 
where it speaks about that sense of God seeking to prepare and, and build also through his bride, the church. That's, that's the visionary sense of it. And so that sense of helping, just the normal church. And so I've gone forward in that ministry, and God has blessed. First example, in Dunville, the church had just split before we got there. So it had been a, a large church, 150 families, but 50 families went out, joined the URC, and 100 stayed, CRC. And so I was called to the CRC part of it. And the seminary very clearly said to us as students, do not ever go to a church that has just split because there's all kinds of underlying problems and stresses and strains. Make sure you never do that. But we, we really had the sense, I had the sense too, God saying too, help, help my hurting church. You go there and help them. So we ended up going there. And the sense too of just to love those hurting believers. And then God did amazing things. So I wonder too at times, and I prayed, how do I work with this, and what do I do, and how do we go forward? And so to faithfully preach the gospel and to care for the congregation, but then God provided in in a, a most humble means. There was in the whole split, everybody agreed, we would do cadets separate, we would do gems separate, we couldn't do anything together, except the leader of the friendship group stopped everything and said, we are not going to let our petty differences upset that group. That group stays together. And everybody, everybody agreed. (laughs) And you think, how is that possible? But through the humblest, through the simplest. Katie Dreistra was in charge. Really nice girl, but you didn't upset her. Don't upset Katie. And so she said too, we're doing it together. We're doing it in the Bethel Church. Both churches are working at it together. We're going to have friendship services every year, once in in the URC and once in the CRC, and everybody's going to come. And in the CRC I preach, and in the URC their pastor preaches, and nobody's going to say nothing, and nobody's going to get upset, and nobody did. <laughs> and we were able just to, to minister together, and from that too, we, we were able to build up a good relationship that, that I thought too, how, how can you possibly even just, just right away build that up again? And I'm at a loss. I have no idea. But God provides. Beautifully. And so we were able to bring a, a large amount of healing in that. God leading, God speaking, God doesn't remain quiet. In Tabor, looking back, the, the sense of the Christian churches in Tabor here in southern Alberta, it, it was striking. It's a large uh, Mormon town. And so over half the town is Mormon. And so, yeah, there's four stake centers and all kinds of... So the Christian churches are small, and, and their witness is difficult. And so, yeah, we knew that. So how do you then minister effectively in that Mormon community? And when we went there, 
we thought too, how can we possibly do that? And we tried through the ministerial and different things. And, ah, it was a little hit and miss. And then all of a sudden, one of our church members uh, said too, we, we are going to start a vacation Bible school in town with all the churches. I think, well, I don't know. Well, we'll see. But sure enough, approaching all the churches, the Christian churches in town, and we then, the, the vision, uh, it was a big vision. She said to, uh, we're going to rent a community center. It holds 800 people. We're going to rent it. And we're going to have VBS in the community center, not in any of our churches separately. And so I think, well, okay. <laughs> and, and then went around. Can you help? Can you help? The Mennonites, we had some contact, not so much. Oh, yes, we will help. We'll do all the food. Oh, man, everything was done. And then we had the, the Pentecostals. Oh, we'll do the music. We'll get that all going and with all kinds of actions, everything. Perfect. Our church did the teaching, all the lessons, VBS. The E-Free did the crafts. We had the United. We had the Catholics. We had everybody... We had the whole community center full, 200, 250 kids. And the witness to the Mormon community then, can, can we send our kids? Sure. Okay. Here we are, able to witness just nicely, just lovingly, just caringly, and we were able to build on that too with the combined Christmas service. Can you imagine if we had a combined Christmas service here? We had a combined Christmas service. Because, yeah, everybody was working together. Everybody was ready to do that. And at Easter, we had a crosswalk where we took a cross and we walked through the town and as Christian churches highlighting Jesus' death on the cross. Yeah, how, how can you think that up? How can you think, yeah, to make our witness good, united, clear witness. The Lord provided. And it was just a wonderful thing. I also noted in Tabor, uh, George Vandergast. He was the one guy, uh, he had a heart transplant. So he's the one guy I ever worked with who had a heart transplant. And uh, he's still going. He's still going. It's been uh, probably a dozen, a dozen to 15 years. That was an amazing thing, too, that the Lord provided. You think, uh, how can that all go? But it goes well. Finally, uh, here at Bethel, just looking uh, a little bit at the time, and I just wanted to highlight just the, the Circle of Friends ministry here. I never would have imagined that that would be possible. I didn't come here thinking, oh, we'll have kind of a Circle of Friends ministry, feed the community, in fact, when, when Jeannie came to me uh, six years ago and she said to me, I'd like to do something like this, then, yeah, in my human weakness, I advised against it. <laughs> that that would never work. It just doesn't work. I've never done it in Dunville or Tabor. You don't hear about it that much. And so I gave the spiritual blessing of no, <laughs> I can't do that. So when, when just the human weakness is there, then, then say, well, let's try it. I remember we tried it, and by God's grace, 
it continues to go and go strong. And in that sense, ministry as, as God speaking through the church into the world, into people's lives. Isaiah 62, to recognize a vision of ministry that, that as we seek to be faithful, both pastors, churches, that God will continue to do things in ways that, that we don't expect. And I could add many more examples through the years how God has been at work. It's just amazing. And I just wanted to close by giving thanks in prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are the God who will not keep silent, who will not remain quiet, that you are at work in our lives, in ministry, in the church, in the community. And as you say in Ephesians 5, you love the church, your bride, and you want to make her holy, cleansing her to present her to yourself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. It's our prayer again, dear Lord, that you would use me, that you would use us, that you would build your kingdom in and through us, even here today, that we might be a light and a witness to your glory, and that we might live with hearts and minds and eyes open to the opportunities that you provide and the things that you continue to do. We assure, dear God, that you will not rest until you have accomplished all that you set out to do. This is our hope and our confidence now and forever, even as we join in saying the words of the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I just have one little footnote here, out of the day timers. I found an, entrant, an entry, May 14, 1992, at 7.30. I had a meeting with the Bethel Christian Reformed Church in Lacombe Search Committee. May 14, 1992. I preached here May 16. You were in the search process for a minister back in 1992. And your search team asked me to come. I was in Calgary, and we kind of practiced on each other. Because I'd never actually had an interview from a church, and you hadn't been interviewing anyone yet. And so, so I, I forget who was all on the committee, but somebody asked me a question. And then right away they'd say, is that a good question? <laughs> and then I'd give an answer, and I'd say, is that a good answer? And we had a lot of fun. And so somehow the Lord had in mind, maybe, that down the road we would in fact be here. God continues to work in things in wonderful ways.